All right, because three is a crowd, I'm here today once again in the Blockhouse with Kelly. Season three continues. How's it going today, Kelly? It's good. How are you? I'm doing great. This week has been crazy. A lot of uh, assaults on the Blockhouse, but we are here to deliver another great episode of Sign on the Window. What is Sign on the Window, you might be asking? It's a Bob Dylan podcast. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the password that was used on the Swedish-Norwegian border during World War II because the pronunciation of the word is easily identifiable between German, Swedish, and Norwegian. Mm-hmm. And this week, we listen to the wonderful Stackily, Staggerly, Stagoli, Stagoli, off of 1993's World Gone Wrong, our very first from World Gone Wrong. Alley on a dark and drizzly night Billy lines and staggerly head one terrible fine on the bow that time be steps and line Staggerly walked to the bar room and he called for a glass of beer Turn around the Billy lines it what are you doing? Alright Kelly Stack a Lee Stack a Lee Stack a Lee very delineated from uh from Bob Dylan, nineteen ninety-three. Uh before we get into to Stackerly, I'm just gonna say I say I'm gonna keep saying Staggerly because that's just feels better, feels yeah, right. Um and we're gonna get into a lot of versions. So this is gonna be a kind of unique episode where we're gonna get to Bob Dylan much later. He recorded this in nineteen ninety three. This song has beginnings all the way in the in the eighteen eighteen nineties, eighteen ninety seven, mm-hmm. if not before. The event itself took place in eighteen ninety five, which we will get to in a moment. But Kelly it's been kind of a crazy week. It's a lot of stuff to listen to. How was your week with, with Stack of Lee? Not great. Yeah, I mean, we really do listen to this song for a week. Uh, and all of the outside forces in my life were trying to prevent me from doing that. We also made a huge mistake. As you know, we do a playlist every every week. And I think with any a traditional song, you sort of like assume there's a tradition but you don't assume there's going to be so much. And I, Staggerly, I think, is very unique in all of the covers that we're going to do on the show from Bob Dylan's records, that its history is so huge. And I think I wasn't, I didn't really know it. So I was like, okay, we'll throw a couple versions, the Frank Hutchison version. Let's throw on Dave Van Rock, Dave Van Ronk, because we love Dave Van Ronk. And then we put a bunch of our own songs on there and we were, you know, having fun with it, enjoying it. And then, like, in the middle of the week, I was like, oh, my God, there's so much. Um, so we we just kind of redid our entire playlist right at the end of the week. And uh, we're coming to you today almost completely on a separate plane of existence from where we would have been uh, <laughs> right. if we had started uh, the week before. So right off the bat, I want to say there's so much information about Stagger Lee. And I recommend going to our website, SOTWpod.com. The show notes for this are going to be essential. Uh, there are staggerly.typepad accounts, staggerly.com, staggerly.net, um, Sing Out, uh, which uh, isn't, you know, they've been publishing stuff for 60 years. They did an amazing series on all of the songs and the history behind Stagger Lee that I highly recommend. Uh, it's it's one of it's one of America's most enduring folk songs that's kind of still made it into the 21st century. And we're going to cover a lot of stuff. But like uh, the writer for the Sing Out has a 200 song playlist that's on Spotify to 200 staggerly songs. Yeah. And there are indexes out there that go well over 400 that you can still Damn. actively easily find, but it's probably been played by everybody everywhere since it was, uh, incepted almost right away. It became a folk song. Hmm. So we're going to get into that. 
Um, so bear with us as we as we do our best. We're gonna we kind of split up some of the work, and we're gonna we're gonna do that. It's kind of a unique thing, Kelly. This is uh, difficult. It's difficult. So time when consuming. <laughs> very time consuming. So you better you better love it, guys. Oh, God. All right, Kelly. Before we get into Stackerly, Stackerly, Stagley, um, he was a real person. Yeah. Now the the myth has definitely superseded who he actually was whatever character he was. And in, in a way, it, it just seems like a, a normal, everyday act of violence that sort of exists in the world. Why did this become so crazy? Yeah. Christmas night, 1895. Uh, Lee Shelton, who's like a known quantity in the town that they lived in in Missouri, I think. St. Louis. St. Louis, yeah. So he was kind of like a, a pimp and uh, just a kind of like a bad dude. Bad man. He was a bad man, as the songs they say over and over. And he was just at a bar in town, uh, and he got into a tiff with an acquaintance. It's not like they were enemies. It, it's just, as you'll hear, the, as the songs mutate mm-hmm. over time, they really make it into something that it wasn't. They got drunk. They had a fight. Um, Lee grabbed this guy, Billy Lyons, hat, this acquaintance that he met at the bar. Um, and Billy didn't like that, so he stole... Uh, Lee's Stetson hat, which yeah. is very important, because like Stetson hats, I know we always think about them as cowboy hats, yeah. you know, which because that's that iconic thing. But they also made lots of other hats, They're like a luxury hat brand. They are. So taking my five dollar hat, which would have been a lot then too, by the way, it wasn't just a hat; it was a symbol because, like I said, he was a, known for he's like a pimp. He was doing for being incredibly well dressed, caring about fashion, and the fact that um, some of the songs don't pull on that, I think, is really important to it was. So when he takes when Billy takes the hat as recourse for his derby hat being stolen. It was like, fuck this guy. So they yeah. get into an actual fight. They shoot and uh, Lee kills Billy. Um, I think Billy actually shot as well. I can't remember, but. Well, we've got um, from the uh, from the St. Louis Globe Democrat who the next day reported on this. We have an act. This is, this is weird too. With a lot of folk songs, there isn't this direct line to what's going like an on. An actual newspaper article. An actual newspaper article. Yeah. So when so as Stagger Lee sort of drifts between being a black man and a white guy and Billy Lyons being white and a Confederate soldier and like all this stuff, we have something very concrete that mm-hmm. like obviously it wasn't being it wasn't a, a folk song at this point. So right. this is this is it. Uh quote William Lyons twenty five colored, a levy hand, living at fourteen ten Morgan Street, was shot in the abdomen yesterday. Uh, at 10 o'clock at the saloon of Bill Curtis at 11th and Morgan Streets by Lee Shelton, also colored. Both parties, it seems, have been drinking and feeling in exuberant spirits. Lyons and Shelton were friends and were talking together. The discussion drifted into politics and an argument was started, the conclusion of which was Lyons snatched Shelton's hat from his head. The latter indignantly demanded its return. Lyons refused and Shelton withdrew his revolver and shot him in the abdomen. Lyons was taken to the dispensary where his wounds were pronounced serious. <laughs> he was removed to the city hospital at the time of the shooting. The salon, uh, the saloon was crowded with Negroes. Shelton was a carriage driver. Thanks for that. Buried here and lives at 911 North 12th Street. When the victim fell to the floor, Shelton took the hat from the hand of the wounded man and coolly walked away. He was subsequently arrested and locked up at the Chestnut Street station. Shelton is also known as Stagley. Yeah, and he actually, he got sentenced to like about 20 years, I think, and only yeah. served 12. So he got out on a parole 12 years later. And then a year or two after that, he uh, got arrested for assault and spent the next Pistol year in prison weapon. before he died of tuberculosis in jail. The, the motherfucker got out of jail for murder and then went back to prison. I mean, that happens all on the fucking time. Yes. On well, and that, and that 
that part of it too gets so wrapped up. And I think the the reason why Stagalee, especially even just the historical character of a black man going to prison, mm. we've talked about that before. We went to Parchman Farms back in Outlaw Blues. We talked about Alan Lomax and you know Alan and John Lomax going and recording these songs. I think that there is a thread there to this as well. You know, this connection of of a black man standing up, and that's what it's kind of become for a while. It was a black man standing up to a white man mm. and standing up to the system, standing up to oppression and saying, no, it's my fucking hat. Like mm. th- that sort of confrontation and then being sent to prison for, you know, these were serious charges. But I think that if you're looking at it in a folklorist sense, you're looking at it as black people be getting sent to jail, no matter what they're walking right. down the street. And normally at that time, it was like the fields need to be planted, arrest that black man. He can't pay his way out. It's exorbitant. Well, he's going to pay it off in the fields. It's slavery by another name. It's simple. And that's, and then, you know, we call that the new Jim Crow today, but slavery by another name before. And it's been something consistent. And I think that's kind of the enduring legacy of, of, of this song as we're going to get into. Which is really interesting that it gets turned into that because in essence, it was a fight between two men of the same station. They were even in like the same little crime syndicate, if you will, for like a better term that killed one kill the other one. It's yeah. like, it's not an innocuous event in that someone did die. Yeah. However, people murder each other all the fucking I know, time. I know. And that's what makes it so crazy. Yeah. And so Patrick Blackman uh, in Sing Out in 2013 wrote this great series of articles. Uh, and in trying to get into the popular culture of it, he says, quote, everything about Stagali, those prisoners talking about prisoners, because this was a prison song. Alan mm-hmm. and John Lomax recorded this in prison. It's not on our playlist, but you can find those recordings of people singing about it. Um, he said, quote, everything about Stagali, those prisoners created was a white man's nightmare. He had the biggest gun. He killed a man over a Stetson hat. The lawmen were too scared to go after him when they finally caught him and they finally tried to hang him. His neck wouldn't break. And when he did die. He went in hell and took over hell from the devil. Mm. You know, he became this this whole thing. And, and earlier in his series of essays, he says, uh, quote, Stagley is a badass shaman made from the magic of a uniquely American people. He isn't the first. Enslaved black folks borrowed from Samson in the Bible and made him in their own light on a Sunday morning. But on the city streets near the big river, their emancipated, hard-pressed children summoned Stagley from their own blood, sweat, spit, and tears on a cold Saturday night. All they needed was a spark and some lead from Lee Shelton's 44. And today, because of the supreme art applied to a simple murder, we can see ourselves and find the spirit of Stagley if we want it some of the songs that Bob Dylan has covered he's played Duncan and Brady on his never-ending tour for like the last 20 years Frankie and Albert is on the 1992 good as I bend to you album we're going to listen to that song eventually these were all taking place in St. Louis they were all right around the same time they have these same connections that this one has so we're not going to stop talking about this and it's and it's permeated which is kind of crazy it went all the way to the 1960s on Bobby Seale the founder of the Black Panthers named his son Stagley um, James Baldwin wrote an incredibly long detailed poem uh, sort of like right it came out in 1983 but it was talking about Vietnam and talking about just manifest destiny and just white people black people living in America called Staggerly Wonders um, and even if James Baldwin you know is sort of culling from that too this is a rich history and I think I think this playlist is kind of amazing and we kind of go in order. So if you're going to go, I highly recommend before you listen to the episode, for the first time, if you haven't done it before, going to um, searching, see if our playlist is kept clean, if you're listening to this in 2019, or going to our website and, or searching, you know, uh, Stackily, um, S-O-T-W, you're going to find us there as a playlist. And I recommend listening to it because it's better than listening to 200 songs. Yeah. But, you know, th- this one's about an hour and a half and it's got some of the biggest hits. Uh, so I think, Kelly, if if you're down for it, if you want to walk through 
I want to walk through the history time, of all of this. Time. So because this was like a, a field holler turned prison song turned like this blues thing that would just be played amongst people. Uh, it's tough to track where it started. Yeah. But it, so the the first known uh, performance that was recorded in any way was from a, a newspaper in 1897, I think. Uh, the Leavenworth Herald. Leavenworth Herald. Outside of Kansas City. Professor Charlie Lee, also a Lee. Also a Lee, wow. Um, was playing it at some club or, or something. The KC Negro Press Association. That That's the one, sure. Yeah. And it's interesting that as we move through time, it's such a guitar song yeah, now. Totally. But it, it, like, we can't say for sure, again, that this was the yeah. first instance of it. Well, I mean, it can't be, right? I mean, it's like... I mean, it's only what it, two years after it, but the fact that it's like being mentioned means that if if a newspaper just randomly mentioned, especially just will play Stack Lee in variations. At the, I mean, they're announcing that he'll play the song. The song is already known. Right, like, exactly. why would they say that he'll play it if no one knows what the song is? It doesn't matter. Right. So the so it's already in the last two years taken on, and apparently that that was totally true at the time. Like they said, Lee Shelton. In, inevitably heard the his song, song <laughs> in prison like it, it's almost yeah, that inconceivable sense, right? that yeah. he wouldn't know that he had already become <laughs> this folk ballad i mean it's murder ballad That's it's crazy incredible. it's amazing yeah but that is the first one which is f- amazing two years after wow but there's no recording of, no, of, of that not. version mm-hmm. of uh charlie lee's version so for the context of the song it seems that uh pre-war like in the 20s and 30s uh it had a pretty similar vibe like it went from that piano song which i wish we really had uh a re- oh, like from recording uh, of professor charlie yeah, lee. professor charlie lee the infamous that uh, would be so cool yeah to uh to a guitar like classic blues song and the the narrative doesn't much change it's so mississippi john hurt his version recorded in 1928 his first one because there's another one later right in the 60s yeah he was found later so as the folk revival happened in the 1960s people went and found those old blues musicians and mississippi john hurt was one of them uh he didn't live long after he died in 1966 Mm -hmm. so he was discovered rediscovered if you will in 1963 just hanging out and everyone's like tell me your story um so yeah he was he was rediscovered and sort of uh he has a lot of different versions he was re-recorded and on our playlist, we had like a, an eight minute song where he sort right. of talked about all kinds of lore. Like they met in a coal mine and like Staggley is white. And right, it was a robbery. It was a robbery yeah. sort of. Yeah. So he just kind of like pulled this yarn uh, with that song. But that 1928 version on OK Records. Ooh, yeah, it's, it's great. It's beautiful. I love his voice and this like the stripped down just it's him and a guitar. Uh, and it, it has the same narrative. Most of them where it's like Staggley's a bad man. And he did this thing and the cops are afraid to, you know, appealing to the police. Like, can't you bring him in? Which is a common thread through all of them, too. Uh, And this actually takes him through a trial and execution. So it's interesting that he doesn't always die. Young was off the jury. What you think of that? Staggerly killed in the line by the fire dogs stuck on hand. That bad man. Oh, cruel Staggerly. we start here it's like a normal murder ballad right the murder happens the police find him there's a trial and he hangs <laughs> like that's pretty pretty standard yeah and then we uh also in the 20s have long cleave reed which is an older version 27 I think um, that's one of our earliest ones yeah yeah it's it 
same thing though. It's a, you know this one's in the first person sometimes, um, which is a little bit of difference because usually it's a third person talking about the the incident. But uh, yes, this slips in a first person sometimes as observing it, like it's there, which but happens it in some of the doesn't places. take place in St. Louis. It takes place in Chicago, which, which is really unique. Again, the dates, the place, like every single almost thing immediately about it changes. Even which his is name amazing. changes all yeah. the time. So. Oh yeah. Oh, th- and the name is so wonderful. I can't believe. And this is the original Stackoli Blues. That's what the, it's known as on our playlist. This one's interesting because it became. One of the most valuable records ever. Ever created, right? Because there's so many, so few pressings. Yeah, because there's only one known copy in existence. And the owner, Joe Broussard, was offered $30,000 and laughed it off. He wants to be buried with it. It's amazing. <laughs> if someone was like, I'll give you $30,000 for the record, absolutely, I would sell it. I don't care. Uh, Here you go. I would just, honestly, if he doesn't fucking donate it, he's a, kind of a piece of shit. It. Uh, Frank Hutchison, also 27. This is obviously really relevant for us because this is literally the version that Bob Dylan did, like beat for beat. Note for note, harmonica and all. Um, and I mean, it's it adds a, a little bit more. It really gets on to it, the fucking hat. The hat. It's the all about the hat. hat. Yeah. yeah. And so when we were trying to figure out how to put this whole thing together, it really came down, especially in the early in the early years, it was really, you've either got the standard murder ballot, the police, or you're a bad man, Staggerly, right. or you have the hat. Right. Like, and this one is so into the hat. And this is Bob Dylan's version. So into that. I think this one's like not very interesting to me. It doesn't, I don't know. This is interesting because of where it went. He was a West Virginia coal miner. He's a white hillbilly playing this music. Mm -hmm. This had already moved, you know, in the era where there is no fucking radio. There is no LPs. Like it's interesting how, how that music left St. Louis got turned into Chicago and then made its way down to the hollers of, of West Virginia and to have him play this song. And it's, and it's a great version. And, but I think the reason why it's so famous is that it was on the American folk music anthology, Harry Smith's anthology, which was that six disker in 1952 that everybody listened to if you go and watch no direction home that was what bob dylan was stealing when he was trying to leave with the records because that was that's the bible like if you're playing music that's the bible and so if you're looking at stack lee i mean if it was mississippi john heard on that i don't know if we'd be talking about Staggerly turned to Bill Lyons and shot him right through the head. Only taking one shot to kill Billy Lyons. Did all about that John B. said to him. I mean, it does have. I mean, it's certainly longer. Like, there's more lyrics to it, but um, that always that always that. Don't ever forget. They all kind of have a refrain. It's either you know you're a bad man or it's that's that's an ad. Like, except for traditional. Cab Calloway, 1931. This out of, song out of control. Out it's of, not, oh my God, his voice. I guess, I don't know if I've ever heard him sing, but that vocalizing, what is that? Yeah. What is that? Couldn't sound? find the Duke Ellington version, but him and Cab worked out together at the Cotton Club. And so it might be Duke on the on the back. I don't know. How do but, you get your voice to sound like a trumpet? And like, what are you on about, my dude? Yeah. So this song is actually not the song at all. It's yeah. talking, it's like a meta song. Mm-hmm. It's talking about Staggly Blues, the song. Which is incredible yeah. that we're already meta in 27 before <laughs> it even becomes like definitive. Right? Like, I love it. I mean, it's, we talked about this last week on Together Through Life, the way music, salsa music moved from, you know, um, 
Roma people mm-hmm. to you know Argentina, where yeah, I think Spain most people would think, oh, that's kind of where it came from, all the way up to the borderland, all mm-hmm. the way across mm-hmm. the border. It's kind of just world music at that point. This is another amazing instance of like, where are you hearing this person? And like, you're already commenting on it. I love the history of this song. I think that's like, that's my major draw. And I, lo- I love Duke Ellington and Cab Calloway. It's it's great. There's not a lot of lyrics to this no, song. No, there's but not. I, I love that voice though. He says, Ooh. I don't know what it means referencing the song, but it does make him want to dance. Inappropriate. He's like, I have no idea what the song's about, but let's get down. Let's get down. That's oh, what we're here for. Oh, it's about murder? No, I don't care. Yeah. And, and you know, at the time, too, this stuff was played on radios, like the the radio stations that did happen. They weren't recording this stuff. So like all the, you know, like Duke Ellington apparently played this a lot, but he would just get together, play on a Saturday night. And that was ephemeral. That just disappeared. Nobody had any means to record it. Nobody thought to record it until, you know, a couple of years later. So the fact that some of these versions exist is like a, a miracle, honestly. And the fact that they still sound, especially Mississippi John Hurt, so good. Whew. Incredible. Uh, we're going to go a little forward in time to Woody Guthrie, friend of ours, hey. friend of the pod. Woody Guthrie, a <laughs> uh, month from uh, October 2017. Go back, check it out. Uh, 1941. It's friend of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> he, he adds in there, talks about him being flashy, you know, spending $100 mm-hmm. on a suit, which I think is, again, as I mentioned during the kind of the history of the story, an important context because he's, you're trying to build this character and this is the guy he was. He was a, that's why the fucking hat matters, right? Like, because he cared about fashion. He cared mm-hmm. about appearances. And uh, he, Woody's version really kind of harps on the family. Like, it, oh, yeah. when Woody's talking about crying the little the babies and stuff, you know, like, you want to... He's a bad man he's after all. He's a bad all, man after all. <laughs> really knowing the actual story of it all. Like, maybe Billy Lyons had kids. Sure, I'm sure he had, like, a, kids running around. But I don't know that he was crying on his knees. Like, true, true. please don't kill me, my children. And it's become a thing, though. It's yeah, such exactly. a trope. Yeah. And I think it's unfortunate because the reality of it. But I don't know. Anyway, that's, yeah, yeah. that's neither here nor there. But, I but even that like, report could be wrong. It's like, that. Right. that's where they kind of, you know, it's so it's still mysterious. I don't trust the journalistic standards of 1895, let's well. be honest. But it's such a simple, straightforward telling that it's like, you've got to believe that there's not anything else to it. You know, they're mm-hmm. kind of reporting the bare facts, but I guess we're not getting all, you know, we don't know their children and, you know, all this situation. You can really make it up. Yes. Absolutely. And something interesting about Woody Guthrie, too, is um, that was pointed out in, uh, I think it was staggerly.com, uh, that black singers, when they would sing it, would often say they was all glad to see him die. In, meaning Once white people hung, yeah. right whereas white singers would say we was glad to see them die and i think that was not even you're not even thinking about what you're saying but when you're saying that it's like i was glad that black man died mm. whereas obviously if you were black singing the white people were glad that this black yeah. man died and so it's like weird that subtle difference which does carry on i think all the way to today so yeah. uh which we'll get to in time so my favorite version pre-war is Ma Rainey's from 1925. Um, You'll reason- know Ma Rainey from episode 74, Tombstone Blues, hanging oh, out with Beethoven. Hanging out. That's right. She was a Around the flagpole. That's yep. right. Uh, not only is her voice like one of those things that just makes you want to like cry yeah. your guts out. Um, I'm strong. I'm a cornet. Oh, Come yes. On. That's incredible. Uh, but she takes the song in a different direction because she takes the perspective as one of uh, Staggerly's women's one of his like prostitutes or or maybe even an actual lover or partner of his um and seeing it through the eyes of like this guy's bad he's doing bad things and people are gonna come and kill him he's got that temper and just like i really enjoyed an outsider's perspective of it that somebody that would be close to him and disappointed in him or scared of him as opposed to just like this 
people that only know him by reputation are just like, oh yeah, he's whatever. This woman's actually probably experienced abuse, but at his hands and just. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she was kind of taking a lot of those East St. Louis songs of the era that we talked about before, Frankie and Albert, Duncan and Brady, and putting it all together. Now, Sagalee has become such a character so that you can just from, move yeah. him into whatever sort of context you want. And it can he's just uh, he's a metaphor. He's a stand in for right. what you feel and think, uh, whatever, whatever that may be. I think it really relies on the singer. So the fact that she's singing that and, and pulling all this stuff, it's interesting because I, I think in another world, Ma Rainey could have created the myth in a, in a much different way. But I think the force is going against her, especially the. Um, you know, uh, Mississippi John Hurt and, you know, Woody Guthrie later and Frank Hutchinson in his own way. Uh, and really, Frank Hutchinson in a big way with the anthology. Mm-hmm. Ma Rainey was always going to be taken over because those other songs had lives of their own, too. Uh, Kelly, then at that point, we went, went off to fight uh, World War II. Oh. And then we all came home and we're like, Sagalee! what the fuck is Sagalee doing? <laughs> Question number one. Question number one. Leon T. Gross, also known as Archibald. Archibald. 1950, he was like, I gotcha. I gotcha, and I don't just gotcha, but I'm going to tell you what happened after Stackley walked out of that bar that night. The first one. The first one. Let's carry the story on. We're carrying the story on. So if you go to our playlist, um, hopefully we can find another version. Part two of his, It's a he printed a, a, a 40, standard 45. Part one is on one side. Part two is on the other. Uh, part one tells kind of the standard story, but with a lot of the stuff we recognize as we go forward. And part two is the continuation. Part two on Spotify is correct. Part one is it's more just of a, just an instrumental. Yeah. So I think um, otherwise, if you go on to, I think if you go onto our website, SOTWpod.com, I will link uh, a link to the video, which is incredible. It's got a whole thing about, you know, all the pictures and stuff are really nice. So, But it is a... Like a ragtime version's got a fun honky tonk piano thing going on, and I do wonder if perhaps this is uh, the truest version of maybe old Professor Lee oh. Charlie Lee, the piano thumper. That's a good. Po- that's a fair point because that would be if that's one of the first versions I ever heard. I wonder if it was faithful to that. How they would know. I can't solve well, but they're definitely closer to it than we are, which right. f- for sure. Um, I mean, this was a big hit though. It reached number ten on the. Um, you know, US R&B charts at the time, 1950. And this is all very early on in terms of, you know, music history. We deal with a lot of everything, obviously from the 60s onward, when things sort of change dramatically in terms of how we get music. But but this is particularly cool because the part one, the original song, and we talked a little bit about just before about Ma Rainey, mm-hmm. could have really influenced if it was a different song. Uh, it could have influenced a lot of how people still sing the song if it was still sung today. But instead, this one sort of supplants everything because we get the Bulldog, Stackley, and Billy Gamble, which is a different sort of take than mm-hmm. before. Uh, Billy cheats and wins uh, Stack's Stetson hat, which is different. Um, Stack gets his 44. That 44 is important and has now changed in other versions to a 45. Oh, the caliber inexplicably, is constantly changing. Inexplicably. Uh, Bill, Billy pleads, citing his children and sickly wife, which sort of has shown up before. Uh, and then Stack shoots Billy 
and we see the bartender through the bartender's glass. That is another fun, uh, you know, aside. And sometimes it's a looking glass. Sometimes it's the bartender. Um, and then part two is unique because we continue the story onward. Uh, we get um, Stack stumbling through his mother's door. Um, he's shot by the police. You know, we sort of see the police in other versions as well. Uh, funeral attended by a woman dressed in orange and red. Uh, Stack meets the devil. Now the devil heard a rumbling, a mighty rumbling under the ground. Say that must be Mr. Stack turning Billy upside down. Now this sit the devil pick. On top of the devil's shelf Say if you want Mr. Stack You go and get him by yourself uh, The devil sits down on his devil shelf <laughs> And observes that anyone who wants Stack Is welcome to get them themselves uh, All that information is from uh, Derek McCullough And Shepard Hendricks in 2006 I recommend not going to their type pad account because it just plays a weird podcast of them on every single page. So be sure to mute that. But they um, they wrote a comic book about it uh, in 2006, which does seem pretty cool. And um, and they've done a lot of cool, cool work on Sackley. So I highly recommend that. Um, that was a that was a fun version. Weird. Yeah. No, I liked it a lot. I, well, cause I really like the piano. Because it I, do, do, I do, 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 do. thought that it brought a lot of historical mm-hmm. context to the song too. It sounds a lot older than it is. Right. That's what's yeah, shocking to me. I was like, what? Yeah. I think at first you, you kind of thought it was the, the oldest version. I did. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like it, which is kind of interesting yeah. and really cool. Our next version on our playlist, uh, Cisco Houston. Cisco. Uh, obviously, Cisco, Sonny, and Lead Belly, thong, too. Thong, I'm thong, thong. Oh, okay. oh, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Lead Belly has done a version. But oh, yeah. Whenever. Sorry, Lead Belly. Yeah, You've been on too many playlists. You you sit out this one. Uh, Cisco's is is um, kind of takes that gambling element. So that's a heavy gambler one. This is going to be exactly the same as the Dave Van Ronk version that we'll talk about in '62. But I like Cisco's version. Uh, it's really fast. It just kind of gets it done. Uh, kind of tells a story pretty standard, uh, but really emphasizes the gambling element. Less on the hat. Less on no devil that I remember. It's kind of just like. Well, it's uh, I think this one's notable because it says Billy shot first, shot Ooh. six times and missed. Whoa! Yeah, he didn't. Oh, I guess I, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't think of any other versions that are on. Well, maybe the later ones when shit gets crazy. But yeah, Billy shot first. So it's the original Han shot first. Yeah, Dang. exactly. Wow. So the Han shit is all bullshit. We should be talking about Sagley and Billy. We really should. Also puts it in September instead of December. But wow. That doesn't matter. Damn, you were really listening. This is great. Yeah, I and presumably he's still alive at the end too, which again is different from a lot of the versions because he does make it out. Yeah, after this he starts making it out mm-hmm. almost as a, the you know Doctor John later will have a coda, just like well the song is over, or you know the autumn leaves keep falling or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know the next version we'll talk about. It just kind of ends like we don't really. Yeah. Will he get his comeuppance or not? That's kind of the... And this one he's sentenced, but the song ends before... He dies. It's carried out. So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting that he, he shot first. A lot. Stack shot first. <laughs> oh, wait, Billy no, no, shot no, Billy, first. Yeah. Billy shot first. Yeah. Holy shit. So the big one, 1958, a version I've never heard. I've never even heard of Lloyd Price before, but this was a huge song. And the leaves came tumbling down.
sold 200,000 copies a day when it was first cut. Uh, number one on the charts, like overall. Uh, Dick Clark on American Bandstand thought the song was a little bit too risque. Too dicey. Too dicey. So he's like, can we clean that up a bit? And I'm like, wait for Nick Cave, <laughs> my guy. Um, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998. I feel real bad because I don't know anything about Lloyd Price. Me either. Um, but, and this was a B-side, another classic, like, uh, it, it, the, it, it was a B-side to his single, uh, You Need Love. But DJs were like, fuck that song. Zaga Lee, that's what we want. Yeah. It's so weird that this weird traditional song would be even a B-side on a single. What a world uh, that we live in. Uh, there's a website called The Stagger Lee Files. Uh, James Hausner has um, an, a really cool take on it. He he was saying that there was a deeper meaning even at the time uh, for black people. This is before the, the civil rights movement really um, sort of engaged the imaginations, if you will, although that's been consistent since the beginning of time. But he says, quote, Price conjures up a clear night with a yellow moon and leaves tumbling down from the trees. You can call it an incantation. Then all hell breaks loose as seven quick horn blasts da, 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 shatter the calm. This introduction evokes another song, a slave spiritual titled Joshua, Joshua Fit for Battle of Jericho in several ways. For example, the line that completes the intro to Price's record and the leaves come tumbling down echoes the spiritual line and the walls come tumbling down. I found it amazing. The whole thing is really great. I don't want to go into that. You can find that on our website, sotwpod.com, in the show notes for this. But an incredible, and he's got uh, another half dozen articles on Staggerly. So, like, you can keep going with this, uh, is what I'm talking about. I like this version because I'm a fan of like 50s mall shot music anyway. But um, I do like that he added the imagery. It really made it like yeah. a more dramatic song. Totally. Um, and that becomes such a thing that the, the leaves come tumbling down. And you can really hear the, that piano through line of Archibald's version mm-hmm. too. So yeah, totally. You're right. And this was covered by Pat Boone two years later. And he changes the chorus from Go Staggerly Go to Oh Staggerly O, which is another sort of like black people cheering Staggerly on, white people being like, oh. Uh, so another interesting thing, especially at that time where Dick Clark is like, whoa, this is racy. Yeah. Dick Clark, <laughs> get it together. 1962, our boy, Dave Van Ronk. That's right. Um, this is probably my favorite of the of all of them. Old deputy leaves the office, puts pistol on the shelf. You want to go and get that bad man, better do it by yourself when you lose your money. Well, they're sent for the militia. Wagons come, loaded up with pistols and a great big Gatlin gun. Cry when you lose your money, learn to lose. Well, the judge says, Mr. Stackley, Mr. Badman Stackley, gonna hang your body up and set you I mean, it was, again, a one to one. Uh, cover it is from whose version uh well so this was actually from furry lewis in 1927 another oh, old right, version yeah. not on our playlist right um so that it was a direct one from that and and cisco covered that and right. uh 10 years later we get uh dave van ronk doing this so this was part of, this was uh, originally recorded in 27 uh reissued in 1947 by alan lomax so i think it was one of those where it kind of fell out of favor and then sort of was picked back up later and i think for anybody like dave van ronk if you know anything about him he's such a student of this in the same way dylan sort of was i mean that's why they had that uh sort of back and forth between the two he wanted those unique versions he wanted to to learn those and so he is adamant 
that when people say that he did better than Furry Lewis or like his version is great, he would tell you, no, I completely aped it 100%. It's all just, it's all him. This is just me covering it. Yeah, he, I watched a little interview with him and apparently this like really informed, this song really informed uh, his understanding of guitar and music because he thought for sure that there was two people playing it because he couldn't Ooh. understand how someone could pick that fast and do, and this like led him on the path to finger picking period mm. like to be able to make those sounds incredible which is like holy shit you just changed this dude into like such a better musician by inspiring that from yeah this classic folk song for yeah and this was an important one too because furry lewis actually lived much longer than mississippi john hurt so when he was rediscovered he he played into um longer into that folk revival and further um you know than than mississippi than john hurt got him to and dave never met which is really sad he was like i wish i could have said thank you to him i don't know how we didn't cross paths because we were traveling in the same circles that's but, amazing yeah. wow that's a bummer and one year later, now they're, <laughs> unfortunately, they're both dead. Uh, now, one and one year later, the Isley Brothers, uh, who I have been, I've been going deeper into the 1960s, and they're fucking good. I gotta say, I love they're they're pretty great. Catchy songs. Young Jimi Hendrix on guitar here, my my dudes. Uh, Stagger Lee, we've left Stacker Lee, uh, which is what Dave Van Ronk called it. We're now in we're now in a consistent phase for a while. Until Bob Dylan fucks it up of staggerly, um, this this version's pretty cool. Um, they kind of go ham at the very end of the song where they start screaming. Mm. Um, but th- but it's another pretty consistent uh, consistent tale. This is following Lloyd Price. We start with the leaves falling down. It's all very similar. The details do change, of course. Um, what's probably the most interesting is that they played this in the UK and they got in a lot of trouble because. Um, one of the Isley brothers pulled out a gun from his coat and mimicked shooting. Oh shit. So not a good, not a good look. <laughs> Two years later, I can Tina Turner. I think we've, I mean, anytime we can pull them out of somewhere, I'm always curious, like how are they even a thing? All I know, I mean, we just know them from the violence, you know, of their relationship. Yeah, it's, it's, unfor- yeah, it's super unfortunate. So I want to like put the, the greatness of their music because they're really great. Uh, this was a reimagining uh, at a go-go bar. So it's kind of like, the details pretty much stay the same, let's be honest. But it's like, you know, it's got kind of a modern-y vibe, and it's 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 nice. I, I like it. Got synthesizers for Stagger Lee for the first time. For the first time. So <laughs> what's up? Uh, and then uh, three years later, Wilson Pickett, uh, the great Wilson Pickett, uh, another version of Stagger Lee, another Leaves Fall Similar, Down version. Yeah, to uh, the, the, what's his name, Lloyd Price one. Yeah, at this point, if I were a fan of Stagger Lee, I would be concerned because it feels like it's becoming a sort of a traditional song. It's becoming like a right. just one of those in the. I mean, you could say this is probably the American Songbook, quote unquote, sure. at this point. But like, if I were listening to Wilson Pickett, I'd be like, "I love you, Wilson, but I've heard it before." One year later, I take it back. I'm sorry. This is probably my favorite version because it has all of them. It has all of. It has the perfect blend of all of the lore. Someone I've never heard of. Taj Mahal. Amazing. Lee. If you ever die in Louisiana, go on to the Lions Club. Every foot you be stepping in, Billy the Lion Blood, talking about that bad man, bad man. Cruel old Staggerly. Could be on a rainy morning, it could be on a rainy night. Oh, Staggerly and Billy Delight had a great big fight talking about that bad man. Cool old Staggerly. It's beautiful. I think that. 
you enjoy the Mississippi John Hurd mm-hmm. version, this is like literally taking that 40 years in the future. As far as like, it's just a dude in a guitar, but there's it's a nice crisp sound. It's all like, you know, digital and, yeah. and you can really appreciate all the musicality that's going into it. And his voice is beautiful. And But he also changes things like the lovely wife instead of sickly. Um, Elvis did a version of this too that never got released. It's probably released now on the bootlegs. Mm. But he understood the story enough that his version is much more humorous and he makes uh billy um instead of having three kids and a sickly wife he has 300 kids and a horny wife so <laughs> you're kind of like playing with it Elvis. oh my gosh um cecil brown who i talked about before doing the definitive version of of the book staggerly and like going into the history of it sat down with taj mahal and i want to quote it because it's pretty interesting quote backstage sitting on a folding chair ter- folding chair taj uh, told me how he came across a legend. Quote, the first I heard of Staggerly was from Lloyd Price. Uh, I was a Lloyd Price fan. I was always dancing to him. Then in the 60s, I kept hearing it on blues anthologies, Mississippi John Hurt and Furry Lewis's versions. As a child, I'd heard these stories about a bad man, bad man Staggerly from my mother, who was from the low country of South Carolina. Then there was this other side of my family. My father is from the Caribbean. Uh, and from him, I always heard from bad about bad John. They would say, bad John, stay away from him, man. Uh, Taj then laughed. This was great fun for him. He was Staggerly. As long as there's living historians like him, Staggerly will never die. I love that shit. Um, and I think that's really, really, really fucking important. It's like this connection to the story. Uh, a couple of years later, Dr. John, uh, I listened to his his late 60s album called Gris Gris, his first record, basically a cover of the Archibald version. I mean, yeah. that's kind of coming, bringing it back because the rest of them don't really... They, they get to him dying, but they don't really go into hell. And yeah. uh, this was really great. But he adds a coda at the end where he says, now I told you my little story. I sang you my little song. But Stackley and Billy Lyons, they're both dead and gone. Done. Sure. And it's kind of interesting. It's almost become like a storybook. It's like, thanks for telling me the story of Stackley, Dad. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks, Dr. John. Uh, I liked it, though. I, I enjoyed it. sounded very 1970s. We don't get any others from the 70s on our playlist. So, I mean, I cut out the Neil Diamonds. I cut out the... All of that stuff because they're all just really generic. But it kind of takes a little turn in 1978 with The Grateful Dead. They released Stagger Lee again, going back to the classic Stagger Lee. They introduce another character who becomes part of the canon in a way. Introduce us to Delia, who is Billy Lyons's wife. wife. Uh-oh. When she finds out that he's <laughs> been shot, uh, shoots him in the balls. Yep. Good old stack. Uh, this was, uh, we've done Grateful Dead before. Go back to episode 15. Uh, where we did Dylan, Dylan, uh, Dylan and the Dead. That's what it was. Yeah, that was a tough. That was I a toughie. We uh, last week talked about Robert Hunter though, but Robert Hunter is a lyricist for The Grateful Dead, and he wrote right, this yeah. song. So uh, there's ah, bringing it all together here. Um, yeah, this was just uh, released on one of their later albums. It's pretty forgettable, but it's not bad, and it does what you want it to do, which is kind of a new telling of the story. And I think that's the direction we're going in from here on out. Anybody can do a cover, right? It's another to do like a brain. Smoke up a pretty bottle. 
musically, it's a hard pass for me, but lyrically, it's my favorite post-war one. Just okay. because... There's it, a lot to it, too. Well, new character, and, like, women exist, and that's cool. That's true. And uh, the, the fact that... She it, takes matters into her own hands, yes, too, because not they're only, not doing because, it. Yeah, because the police... Like, I really love the line that's like how can you you know basically how can you arrest all these prostitutes for turning tricks and that you can't fucking go get this guy who murdered my husband and yeah. i just think that's so badass that's true into a revenge thing again musically hard pass but uh yeah lyrically and shooting in the balls nice. and that's funny and yes. that's like totally on on point that's that's good <laughs> shit uh so well done robert hunter why couldn't we keep doing lyrics like that 1979 we're jumping ahead um this is actually a cover uh from 1967 by a band called the runners but this is from the Clash's classic London But it basically does. It sort of turns the 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 thing on its head, or or at least acknowledges um, the thing that we've been talking about—the implicit uh, they versus we. You know, sort of seeing Stackley in his color, basically, and then how do you identify based on the person listening to the song? And this sort of switches it on its head to basically make Stackley the hero mm-hmm. uh, versus uh, Billy Lyons the the villain. And um, I think you can build on that as you do. And when I first like saw this on the list, I was like, that's wrong. And then I just, I'm listening to the album in my head and it's just like stagger leak. I've sung that so many times in my life and I've never thought about it. Not once. And it's amazing. I can't believe these. That's absolutely it. And it's all there. Uh, Once you get to like the first wave Scott kind of thing, uh, it all has a similar flavor. So it didn't super stick out that's a fair point yeah and patrick blackman uh getting back to the sing out article he talked talking about rock steady um at the time was very influenced by american r&b and so price's version was you know mainly the jumping off point for this song Mm. but then reversing the lyrics was important quote while it may long may no longer fit neatly into the standard framework for understanding staggerly which is kind of true i think this is an outlier the fact that uh, a rewrite wherein the American bad man is transformed into a Jamaican rude boy and then, without much effort at all, is transformed into a symbol meaningful to the disaffected British punk speaks volumes about the power and flexibility of the narrative, the music, and what's the common people across uh, the Anglophone world uh, might share regardless of race. So it's Yeah, a, yeah. and That's so he's really impressive about the transition of music throughout the whole world. And to go back to, yeah. I mean, why would they put the song on, you know, this because dis- it is just a punk reaction to Margaret Thatcher. I mean, that's what was happening in right. the Clash's world and it's crazy to go for this. And obviously later they'll experiment deeply with this. So they had this affinity for this music to begin with. This brings us to Bob Dylan. <laughs> 1993 um he reaches back to 1927 to to cover frank hutchison's version in his liner notes oh my god he says what he goes back to his well this is back to tarantula this is back to like uh, his the book that he released of uh of poetry um so this is bob dylan sort of uh doing what he does in a lot of his liner notes on his first records and i think a lot of what he's doing here i think he got into a lot of trouble on Good As I Been To You, we talked about Little Maggie. We've talked about Hard Times. They were not 
cited properly. They were arranged by Bob Dylan. Remember, he took the credit, never said where he got it from. And people are like, bro, you stole it from here. Like, we know that. So in these liner notes that he didn't have before, he does have for World Gone Wrong, are basically just to cover his... I mean, the very first line, Stackley is Frank Hutchison's version. Can't be more clear. Yep. And if you and if you haven't, if you don't have this record, I don't blame you. But quote, Stackley is Frank Hutchison's version. What does the song say exactly? It says no man gains immortality through public acclaim. Truth is shadowy. In a pre-post-industrial world, sorry, in a pre, in a pre post-industrial age victims of violence were allowed in fact it was their duty to be judges over the offenders parents were punished for their children's crimes we've come a long way since then the song says that a man's hat is his crown futurologists wouldn't insist that it's a matter of taste they say let's sleep on it but they're already living in a sanitarium no rights without duty is the name of the game and fame is the trick playing for a time is only horsing around stacks in a cell no wall phone. He's not some egotistical, degraded, existentialist, Dionysian idiot. Neither does he represent any alternative lifestyle scam. Give me a thousand acres of tractable land and all the gang members that exist, and you'll see the authentic alternative lifestyle, the agrarian one. Billy didn't have an insurance plan, didn't get airsick, yet his ghosts are more real and genuine than all the dead souls on the boob tube. A monumental epic of blunder and misunderstanding, a romance tale without the cupidity. 50% of that is great. <laughs> Some of it's great. I mean, I, I enjoy the, uh, the the boob tube stuff. This is very much Bob Dylan oh, yeah. writing his TV song uh, of 1990s uh, Under the Red Sky, which we'll get to at some point. The news of the day is on all the time. I mean, it's something. <laughs> it is, yeah. And, th- and just to go to the context of the song, this song was recorded in May 1993 in Dylan's garage in Malibu. Um, it was released on October 26, 1993 with World Gone Wrong. Uh, this was to fulfill his 1988 contract. So with this, he was able to sign a new contract. So take with that what you will. He did record everything, all the songs, harmonica, everything. He, f- he did it all on one guitar. This is the Lord. Did it all on one guitar, same strings, never broke a string. Uh, there were rumors that he mastered it from cassettes like uh, Bruce Springsteen did for Nebraska, his classic uh, album. But let's be real, like Bob Dylan ain't doing that shit. Are you kidding me? Bob Dylan's doing this to fulfill a contract. He's not like, this is high art and I need to put right. this down. Get out of here. Have you met Bob Dylan? He did win a Grammy, Grammy though, for the best traditional folk album for this record, which you can see why. I mean, even... Oh, there are so many niche categories in the Grammys. There are. And even with this version, it, it very much feels almost, when he's doing the harmonica right away, it's like, oh, I could see this being like a song from the 60s for sure. Yeah. Until he starts singing. Yeah. Uh, this uh, The album peaked at number 70 in the US, number 35 in the UK, and uh, just Stagalia in general, because I haven't really talked about it. It is in, uh, Malcolm Lewis identifies it in the group I-115, which is a folk song index, and a more famous The Round folk song index. It's number 4183 with over 70 citations. But as we said earlier, there's well over 400 right. uh, covers that we know about, but these ones are more official, if you will. So, I mean, early in the week, you... We're talking about the song, and 
you said this is definitely a song that could have happened in the 60s and i'm really partial to bob and guitar and you know points for harmonica but yeah the the voice it so for me there's like a direct comparison with the song in seven curses which is oh, our favorite touchstone no. on the show in far of the nature of it just like it's a, him and a guitar mm, and like the sure. kind of western you know uh what's the word of outlaw nature of yeah, it true true um and how that's such a superior song. And I'm like, why is the, what's the difference here? And I 30, think 30 plus years, yeah, or, 30 years. And it, it's not only in his voice, like this is, this is pitchy. Every, used, the things you know that it. everybody <laughs> hates about Bob Dylan. Right. Um, but also the passion's not there because mm. this is an obligation record. Fulfilling. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, and he's not 22 anymore, you know, and, that, and that's fine. You, you can't be 22 forever. You shouldn't be right. 22 forever, but thinking about the songs we've listened to of his that were him in the 60s with just a guitar and like the urgency and the wild sound yeah. of it just like he can't like stop moving his arm he can't stop oh you hate that it's like when he sings to and puts the chords to his words yeah the, i i dislike it musically sometimes but i enjoy the passion right, right, the right. energy that's what's important sure. and that's uh, what anybody wants nothing. from music yeah this yeah. is nothing <laughs> and that's why I, I struggle with it i think the only thing of value to it is the fact that he pulled a song that probably people had forgotten from the 1920s, 1927. Mm. It's a different version. As we've seen, no one's doting on the hat. Right. Yeah. So he takes the hat version and it's like, there we go. And it's not that it's like he's doing it just to be unique or whatever. He's doing it because that's probably the version that he enjoyed back when he was listening to Harry Smith's anthology of folk music. Like th- Again, we talk about him today with triplicate. Yeah, I was just there's there's say. this level of like, oh, why the fuck are you doing this? But you it's have to, hundred percent. You have to believe that he does actually like that music. Right. Bob Dylan can't be in it for the cash grab anymore. He can't be in it for. He only has so much time left on Earth. I can't imagine that he would want to be doing something weird. He's got to be they like feeling nostalgia. And, yeah, so I do believe that he loves this song. I I lo- yeah. this is really a a great version of it. But when you compare it to the energy that's given on on a lot of the other ones, this really sinks to the bottom of this playlist, unfortunately. And it's weird because this is, as far as I can tell, probably the most famous song out of the two uh, compilations that we're going to be doing with Good As I've Been To You and World Gone Wrong. I mean, I I don't know if any of them get as deep as this. I mean, I'm curious. I can't wait to find out. But um, I knew Sackerly was a thing and I knew a lot of people did it, but I didn't realize how big it was. It kind of goes away for a little bit, but in 1996, Nick Cave and the Bad Seed said, we're doing a record of murder ballads, oh my gosh. and we're fucking doing this song. This needs to be listened to be believed, if if I'm honest. Um, no one was ready for motherfucking Stag Ali. So no one was ready for I Will... I'm a bad motherfucker, don't you know? And I'll crawl over 50 good pussies just to get to one fat boy's asshole. Said Staggerly. Just then, Billy Billy rolls in. He says, You must be a man motherfucker called Staggerly. I'm Staggerly. Yeah, I'm Staggerly. Get down on your knees and suck my dick Because if you don't, you're gonna be dead He said, Staggerly Oh, well, Billy, Billy dropped down and slobbered on his head And steak filled him full of lead Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really rough The only 
song I, I've ever heard by Nick Cave is the one that we put on our playlist many moons ago. Red Right, Red right, right Hand. Hand. Yeah. It must have been for Blood something. Blood yeah, it was a long time ago. I don't remember. Uh, and I love that song, but I've tried to listen to stuff and it's like... Oh, it's for Cold Irons Bound. That was cool, yeah. that was episode four. Um, and so I put this... When I was like, ooh, Nick Cave did a, a version. Uh, oh my God. It's so vulgar. violent and vulgar. <laughs> like, uh, this also puts them shooting at each other. Too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it goes from that to like rape, kind of, but then also not. I mean, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. So this this gets to like something uh, that's like I I I think that there's like a academic language that goes with this, right? There's a book um, called The Life: The Lore and Folk Poetry of the Black Hustler uh, that came out in 1976 uh, from the University of Pennsylvania Press. So they were looking at essentially what we call today like a yarn, like they call it a toast, but it's like imagine you know going to a stand-up set and having somebody tell the aristocrats the same joke, the same setup, the same person, you know who it is, and they just go off. They just tell some wild ass story. What it always comes down to is either you want to be like you are Stackley or you want to be him. So you're either in the first person, but even the third person is so thinly veiled that it's almost like I am, you know, you still I am. And I think this Nick Cave version kind of does that mainly because it's taking from yarns that already existed, toasts that already existed. So it's been shown through the years that a lot of this, a lot of this that Nick Cave took, he took, he just, he didn't just write this mm. out of nowhere. He took uh, the information. Uh, Cecil Brown, again, to go back to him in his book, Staggerly Shot Billy, um, he he talks about hearing uh, something from his uncle uh, in the 1950s and 60s in North Carolina. He said, in those days, to young black field hands sitting on the shade tree at the end of the tobacco road, Staggerly was an impulsive, as vulgar, as daring, and as adventurous as they wanted and themselves to be. Uh, according to Patrick Blackman, again, sitting out, he says, quote, but in many toasts, such as the one uh, linked above in the in the article, the speaker is describing himself. The narrator is Staggerly. That's what I was trying to get to. The narrator is Staggerly. Uh, this is not the case in the vast majority of the variants in the ballad tradition. Cave may be speaking in the third person. Person, but as a narrator, he certainly delivers it in a way that the listener knows that he wishes he was Staggerly. Oh, yeah, that's right. They don't. Billy's not even there in this version. He shoots. Does he shoot the bartender? He definitely pulls his gun out. He definitely. And well, he does. He has all the tropes. He's got like the looking mm-hmm. glass and stuff like that. And but it's all aimed at the bartender. This but time. it's that motherfucking bar- looking glass. You know, everything yeah. is like so aggressive. You're like, wow. It ends with like you know, dick sucking. <laughs> Well, no, Billy is in it because that's the whole thing. You need to suck my dick before I shoot you. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's it. And if you don't know, you should, of (laughs) of all the songs, I highly recommend it. It is a bonker song. Intense. Now we get into the 2000s. So now we've entered the 21st century. Uh, We're going to close this one out real quick. So uh, there's a couple. Beck, we all know. Beck, he won a Grammy for the best album of the year. God. Some year, who knows? Uh, he did a version of Stagger Lee, which is basically the John Hurt version. Um, I couldn't find that. It's probably on YouTube. But he did say that Devil's Haircut, a really great song from Odele, is a 1994 album. Sorry, 1996 record, Odele. Uh, he said, quote, I imagined Stagger Lee. I thought, what if a guy, what if this guy showed up in 1996? The song has its 60s grooviness, and I thought of him using... I thought of using him as Rumpelstiltskin figure, this Lazarus figure to comment on where we've ended up as a people. Yeah, I... I don't know if that all comes through. I don't but. think so. I don't buy it. I mean, like, okay, maybe, sure. Maybe that's where he was when he wrote the song, but, like, listening to that... 
I can I can understand the perspective of somebody like kind of traveling through time yeah. almost in that whoa what is this technology and all that kind of stuff because that's in the song but sure saying it's staggerly okay okay it could be anybody okay yeah uh, one pretty explicit one though is the Black Keys Stack Shot Billy mm-hmm. Stack Shot Billy it's, it's a great it's a, it's great, a fun song fucking Black Keys uh, and this good music and this was before they were really big and and uh, Dan Auerbach the guitarist said quote I had Mississippi John Hurt's version and a bunch of other people's versions and I thought these guys all wrote their own versions of the song why couldn't I make my own version I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. And I kind of like it, but it's a very strict point of view song. And it does introduce Stack Shot Billy in the back of the head, mm-hmm. which is, well, it's not unique, but it's uh, it's weird that we've gone that direction. Uh, the, you know, a lot of them now he's getting shot in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. It's weird that we're not doing the one on one. We don't mention the Stetson hat. I mean, it's moved so far beyond yeah. where it stood, which it's is kind of crazy. It's not even the same at all, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, in 2006, if you were the one of like 17 people that went out to go watch Black Snake Moan, which I remember was just a thing because like the Nick Cave version, it was just supposed to be this like really smutty, mm-hmm. sultry movie. And you watch the video, which if you go to SOTWpod.com, you can watch the video. Um, yeah. Okay. People be dancing on people. It's like an episode of Buffy up in here, but I don't know. But it feels a lot like the Nick Cave version. It really, really does. It does. Until the dick sucking, yes. <laughs> that is not so much a part of it. Yeah. It's about two minutes long. But Samuel Jackson, apparently, uh, he's the one, you know, one of the lead character actors in um, Black Snake Moan. Uh, he's doing this version of Stagger Lee uh, with a full band, which is great, and really getting it. Yeah, I mean, he's doing a really great job. Legit for feels, what it's worth. Feels real. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I, I would recommend uh, watching that. And then we have two two more versions. The final two, uh, there, there's a lot of other covers that you can find online, but we're going to talk about ones that I think maybe make more sense for us. One for me, 2007, Modern Life is War, one of my favorite bands. Uh, I don't know when they're coming out with new music. They wrote a song called Staggerly. I've listened to this record dozens of times. I never once so much put it together. In your life. Never once put it together. Uh, Midnight in America from 2007. Their Stagger League, though, goes into, instead of uh, what, Billy Curtis's club or whatever, goes into JD's, which is a bar in Marshalltown, Iowa, which is where they're from. And this one's a little different, too, because Billy uh, is sleeping with Stagger's wife. And they're at the Flamingo Hotel, which is a CD motel in Marshallstown as well. Mm -hmm. And he goes there to kill. So that's a much more, that song's probably been written a million times. Like, hey, but but it's funny because the person he goes into, like, get into a confrontation with at JD's, says the stuff about um, the wife and kids and stuff. Don't kill me because of that. But I know your wife is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like kind of invert. Like, like a messenger situation. And he has a 45. So he's doing doing yeah. it wrong. Yeah. So the 44, I, which is not. Throughout all of these versions of the song, there's a 41 caliber, which oh, I don't think is no real. Way. 44 and a 45. Wow. Yeah. Because like, I pull out my 41. I was like, I know you needed to rhyme with the last line, but like, holy shit, we're all over the place. <laughs> Stick to the script. <laughs> You're not Nick Cave. And then 2010, we got to Josh Ritter, uh, our, our final song of the playlist called Folk Bloodbath. Kind of an interesting title in that he takes a lot of threads from folk songs and folk history. 
sort of mashes them together. We see uh, Delia. We see. Yeah, I know. That's I, the only thing that I really noticed. Because, I mean, it's a sweet little jingly song. It is. It uh, is. And it's, like, it's oh, also Delia. I remember her. based on another Mississippi John Hurt song called Lewis Collins. Lewis Collins oh. is the one that gets killed by Stag. Stag really? kills him. But that, that refrain, um, what is it? The Angels... Uh, the angels laid them away. You know, the, the refrain is from Lewis Collins. So that's, if you go and listen to Lewis Collins on Spotify, you will hear that. So we kind of took Stagger Lee's myth, which Mississippi John Hurt is famous for having the quote definitive version, taking Lewis Collins, the song, taking the angels laid them away refrain, but introducing all these people together. Uh, he said at the time, talking about the song and all the characters in it, quote, they're the ones I've always liked like Stackley and all of them. For example, Stackley is in so many songs and he's always been the bad guy. I thought it'd be fun to give him some justice and have Billy Lyons, the character he kills in hundreds of old folk songs, to be the judge who sentences him. You know, he's hanging Billy Lyons. Um, the characters in these songs are so living and they have so much to give. From song to song, the characters end up in the same fate, but they get there in different ways depending on the version. For Folk Bloodbath, I just wanted to crash them all together. He bought a ten-gallon Stetson, it was ox-blood red. And then Stackley shot Lewis in the back of the head. The angels laid him in Stackley said to Lewis, oh now, don't you grieve. I'm sending you to Delia, you won't ever have to leave. The angels laid him away. Angels laid him away. That's very interesting. And I think that's kind of the way I think Staggerly is going to continue forward. Yeah. It's either going to be a um, generic retelling from before, which I'm sure a lot of people are going to do, pick one of the versions they like, or you're going to do something like Josh Ritter did, which it's a very lovely song. And it really pulls together all this stuff. And it's it's fun listening to the whole playlist to get to, you know, hanging, you know, his, his hanging Billy Lyons. He's the guy who hangs everybody. And to have him pass judgment upon Stagger Lee is so interesting. And then at the very end, the ending is really nice, too. Uh, and I'm looking over the rooftops and I'm hoping that it ain't true that the same God looks out for them, looks out for you and me, too. The angels laid them away. Uh, it's a great end, and it's kind of a chilling end, and kind of a perfect. If this was the last song about it all, that's a great ending. Like yeah. these are murderers. The, this is a crazy scenario, and it's and it's weird. It's weird to like imbue this this into Staggerly. And I guess this comes to the question: Does this work in 2019? I think it's obvious it does. Yeah. I think it's obvious that this myth outlives itself. And putting Staggerly even in a hardcore song like Modern Life Is War, it's fucking fascinating. I'm sure so many people listened to that and had no idea. I think it's cool like me. how many changes it's it's had over its life as a piece of art. Uh, but part of me does kind of feel a little bit of the sequel fatigue situation. It's like, why do we need to keep bringing Stagger into this? Can sure. we just make new characters? But I mean, whatever gets you there, right? Like if, if Beck says Staggerly was the motivation behind Devil's Haircut, which is one of the most iconic songs in the 90s, mm -hmm. like then it was Staggerly, you know? Like whatever it takes to get you to a place where you can write something that means something to you, even if you need that character to get you in the frame of mind. Like I wonder who Bob channels when he writes all these murder songs, you know? Maybe it is Staggerly, who knows? Maybe it is. Oh shit. <laughs> it's always Staggerly. Right? So that, but that's the only like critique I would have of the whole oeuvre of Staggerly stuff. It's like, I wonder why we keep going back to that, especially since the song is, or the, the act incident itself was so innocuous. It's just miles and miles away. Miles away. And I'll leave Patrick Blackman for our final uh, 
for a final note. Again, you can find all these sources at SOTWpod.com. Historically, its utility as a means of redefining black manhood in a world of white privilege and racial hostility is well established. But the ballad's racial context is not always relevant in the 21st century performances. Or it's not always out there. Right. Um, but it can very much be a part of it. And he says, of course, quote, going back to the quote, quote, of course, that doesn't mean that these new versions can't evoke psychological responses that are powerful. They surely do. And it doesn't mean that they take away Stagger Lee from black history. They surely don't. And I think even having Stagger Lee exist, even as even as a, a bad man, he's a bad man, Stagger Lee, it, it confronts uh, issues that we still unfortunately deal with in this world today. Um, is he a bad man? Yeah. Is not the, the the complete. You hear people say that he's a bad man. Doesn't it mean that he's a good man? Patrick Blackman gets into that. Uh, he he says when he's t- teaching his students about school and about uh, teaching them about school. When he's teaching his students about slavery and teaching them about slavery after you know slavery by another name after slavery had ended, he he was saying it's useful to sit down and take somebody saying he's a bad man, Stagali, and inverting the entire thing. Because in reality, that's just white supremacy putting labels on things to make the world work for them. But in reality, what if Staggerly wasn't a bad man? He's a good man, Staggerly. He's a good man. Yeah. What's that world? And I like that the song took on that mm-hmm. idea um, because that's an important thought. It, But I guess I just get caught in the trappings of this was an actual murder. He committed murder. He did. It, they're, they're both black. It wasn't this. so far away. But for it to become yeah. this anthem of like, which I appreciate, but it's like, I guess where I was like, but that's not what it was at all. Like, but you got to think, I mean, but that's the thing about art. Art, art transcends all of that. Because You're taking emotions that were, that the people were feeling at that moment, at that time sure. and sort of just like blowing it out. And obviously these musicians probably didn't even know the historical context of that there even was an actual incident of this yeah so they're just going on the emotions and the ideas of like stand like this is i'm standing up for for myself yeah in this oppressive systemic racist fucking situation we have or or it's just a typical murder ballad just somebody going up and doing it i mean all of these versions are so different and some of them are very clearly in the world that exists and some of them are just completely divorced from it they don't make any sense and they're just this fun little ditty that just happened to have staggerly as a main character and i think that's what makes it such a great song because you can do all of it but i think knowing the history is much more important to like really enjoying the song and i really came around this week and i highly recommend our playlist i think it's fantastic All right, Kelly. Long, long episode, but we are are finally done. This is the moment we normally talk about our playlist, but as I just said, the playlist is where you want to go to listen to all the Stagger Lee. I want to RIP our former playlist, though. These are the people we lost. Bon Iver, Loopy Fiasco, Uh Wiz Khalifa, Uh Nicole Atkins, MC Mars, The White Stripes, Small Faces. See you in another playlist, guys. Sorry. Amanda Palmer, Palmer, sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah, at the very end. We'll have to get to them in time. I apologize. Kelly, as I've said a million times throughout this podcast, you can find us at SOTWpod.com. You can find us at Twitter, Facebook, same thing, SOTWpod.com. We have a lovely new logo. We want you to look at it. We want you to admire it. (laughs) Shout out to Kendra for doing it. Uh, Our friend, uh, we're going to keep coming at you with some brand new stuff. New episodes are are weekly. We're rolling at this point. It's fun to be back. This week was tough. I think we still killed it listening to this this version of Stack of Lee, but what else were we doing this week? This week, Kelly. Um, 
we were trying to be like our friend Sam, who uh, is one of our Patreon members, patreon.com slash pod. You too can be like our friend Sam. He was killing it this All week, you do for is sure. Just give us a dollar. It'd be great. It would be amazing. But the other thing I was doing was uh, being really stressed out at work. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was listening to podcasts most of the week because playlist was hard for me to do. Yeah. Because there was so much happening. Well, it was one playlist for most of the week. And then it was the different playlists that for the rest help. of the week. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, dumb gay politics is a constant in my life. I've also been listening to a little play, uh, podcast called If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me, if you haven't checked it out. Wow. It has a, a hard mention on the, the internet's number two Buffy podcast. That's true. So that's true. It's pretty good. If you're curious. Yes. Um, I try to get into the Orville. It's not great. It's like Galaxy Quest, but worse. Like it really, I can't, f- it's worse Star Trek. It's supposed to be like Star Trek, but yeah. funny, except it's not funny enough to be different than Star Trek, it's just worse Star Trek. Yeah. Like Galaxy Quest was Star Trek, but funny. But funny. Because it's making fun of itself and it's a whole meta thing. I know it's a different beast, but... People say they like the Orville as opposed to the new Star Trek because the new Star Trek is basically just the, the, you know, like so dramatic, so serious. It's just explosions and, you know, dying. More of a soap opera than... Yeah, and less of a like, worry, we have a cool idea and for the originals the definitely had yeah. like a little humor to them and stuff, right so yeah, yeah i don't know not for me uh we just finished season two of Atlanta. that was great because season three is coming out soon soon 2019 so, yeah and i uh, watched future man season two it's, it's <laughs> oh you watched the whole thing yeah it's really ridiculous like they spend the whole time in the far far future it, but it's it's good you just gotta stick with it the first episode was a little weird and rough because i wasn't expecting that but oh my god speaking <laughs> of the far far future recommendation time for me Really, all I did was listen to Staggerly. I'm going to be honest. It was <laughs> it was sort of an obsession for me this week. Uh, once we once I finally got on board, but I will say one record that I am. We talked about last week your recommendation, but they released a music video for uh, the song "Kids Puff." don't know who pup is if you've never watched one of the videos i would recommend sleep in the heat if anything else because if oh you've watched stranger God, you things wolf or finn wolfhart is our main guy on on stranger things he's in these videos he's in a couple of the pup videos because they're all from uh canada yeah if you want to cry over a gecko oh my God. hit it up i mean they have songs about their old cars they've got mm-hmm. it's amazing so anyways kids is, is incredible it takes place in the far future they've all broken up there's like new technology. There's dehydrated pizza. Uh, there, <laughs> it's amazing. Don't tell me about your dehydrated pizzas. We basically meet the bassist who has a kid who's just like, of course, playing with VR and doing their own thing. And it's like, Dad, I don't want to hear about your old days. And then, of course, the kid is like, Oh, 
Like I want to, I want my dad. I, I don't know this side of my parents. Like he was in a punk band back in the day. And then we meet uh, the drummers playing out on the streets. And like we see Toronto in 2059. It's, it's going to be the year of the Toronto Maple Leafs who still haven't won a Stanley Cup. It's been a hundred years <laughs> at this point. And what is it? The guitarist has like this. A box on said they think is keeping him young. That's keeping him young. Yeah. So he, he looks the same. And it's incredible though. It's like, it's a very silly concept until um, they're like, we need to go save our lead Steve. singer who showed up. And then he like slams his hand onto the guy's box and shows him the scar. And it does these beautiful flashbacks of like mm-hmm. blood pact that they made to like do this thing. And they all meet up and spoiler alert, Stefan dies and they all create the graves for all four of them. And I'm like, I hope this is like their real life because if Pup is going to be around for the rest of my life and they've only released two records, I can't wait. I can't wait to live the rest of my life with Pup. How about that? That's right. Um, so that was my favorite, absolute favorite thing in the entire world. And we're going to see them June 24th. So everybody be ready for some more Pup talk. Oh, we'll talk about <laughs> shit out of Pup. I mean, we'll talk about we'll talk about morbid stuff when it comes out in, uh, in April. Uh, and then lastly, I would say uh, Beirut came out with it. Sorry, Beirut came out with a new record called Gallipoli. Uh, it's very nice. Uh, they, they had like a, a strange uh, album in 2015 called No, No, No. That was like, imagine you just had like a little toy piano and you're like playing music with it. But he has these lush, I mean, he's known for like his Eastern European, like he like studied music there. And like his first records are so influenced by that. And this is such a beautiful lush record. I'm glad he's kind of back. Because this is like, a lot of people commented in like articles that like, they're so happy to see him doing what he was born to do. Like he's supposed to make this beautiful music. And the fact that he kind of didn't do that for the last six years, seven years, you know, it sucks. It's yeah. kind of sad. And that kind of brings me to the pup thing too. It's like what happened in this 2059 version of pup where, you know, the whole thing was like, he abandoned us. Like you can't do that. You were born to do this. This is your life. <laughs> so pup Gallipoli, um, future man. Future Man. Atlanta. And Atlanta. Classic, yeah. Of course, of course. And Dumb Gay Politics, as always. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kelly. This is where we end the show. This year we're doing the cool thing that we do where... <laughs> the cool thing that we do as we're of, like, for we're episode one. Losing the thread here. Yeah. Kelly, did you know that Valentine's Day is coming up? I guess. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, oh, no. I understand why you're asking me that now. <laughs> yes. So Valentine's Day is coming up. Bob Dylan has written some very lovely love songs. Uh, you, one of your favorites, of Sarah. course, Sarah. Um, the Sarah's off the table, unfortunately. Sorry. I guess the wedding song could be on the table. We haven't really done that one before. But no, Kelly, I'm going to give you five choices randomly chosen by me. You are going to tell me which ones you don't want. You know the deal. You run down. You tell me which ones you don't want. And on the very last one, you tell me which one you choose and why. That's what I want to know. So I'm going to give you five choices. Can we Choice. put Boots of Spanish Leather on there? Can't put Boots of Spanish Leather, but we will put its companion, which is probably a very... I want you to think hard about this. This one I, I put on here almost as a troll one. This is a, a test for you. Can you resist it? Very first one is Girl from the North Country. One of his most lovely songs. Don't want to influence you or anything. That's a, a number 175. Uh, choice number two, She Belongs to Me. Nope. Who, I'm gonna go. who Belongs? Number three, a little spoiler one. This one is also tempting. Abandoned love. Number four, make you feel my love. Oh, yeah. Number five, true love tends to forget. Okay, so how do I not pick the girl from the North Country? I well, mean, which you, ones do you want to eliminate? Pick? 
Well, how do you not? You just, you choose not to. You say, I'll leave that for another day. Yeah, but why would I? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Which ones don't you want? Uh, make you feel my love I do not want. Why? Because it grosses me out. Because it sounds so rapey. It's an Adele song. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, I'm good. Oh, uh, I just heard Adele's rapey song. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I don't remember the other ones except from a girl from the North Country. Oh, ha, there we go. Uh, she belongs to me. I can't help but feel like it's about Sarah, right? Uh, well, there's a question on that. I could. Uh, I think I've brought it up before about Sarah, but it could be, as you've said, every song is actually about Suze. So oh, apparently true. all of these that's are right. about Suze. Right? Great point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I really want to do Girl from the North Country. Uh, she belongs to me doesn't appeal to me. This True love tends to forget that. What a clunky. Abandoned love is the only one that piques my interest that isn't Girl from the North Country. Abandoned love we listened to on the way to Wings. Remember that that was the very first we were trying to get my Spotify to work and I was saying oh. play Bob Dylan. I like that song. I know. Is that Scarlett the one that you said it was supposed to be on Revi- Desire, but then Desire. wasn't? Okay. But it seems like you already picked Girl from the North Country. Did I though? You did. <laughs> so next week, Valentine's Day, <laughs> we will be going to the Girl from the North Country. I think it's worthwhile. I mean, it's one of his most beautiful songs. Period. Straight end sentence. And it's from his very first. Well, not Bob Dylan, but his first original record. Freewheeling Bob Dylan. It's only our second Freewheeling Bob Dylan song. Uh, I shall be free. Hmm. You know, I think you're calling into question the integrity of this podcast. We're really randomizing before, and you just like hard. We're like, we're going to do Girl from the North Country. Well, I I didn't think about putting it on there, and then I remembered how much you love Boots of Spanish Leather, and the fact that you then said it. I was like, yeah, I guess that's what I was thinking too. So I knew right away that was a mistake. (laughs) I shouldn't have put it on there. The rest of them are, all of them, I, I love them all a lot. Even true love. True love tends to oh. forget. No. Do, 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 nope. do. I That's it. got lots of saxophone. I already hate it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're going to do Girl from the North Country. I realize now, huge mistake. Uh, <laughs> but but we'll, uh, we're will we going to continue with the, the themes uh, this year. Um, we'll get better at it. This one was kind of a, a huge mistake, as, I, as I've said. <laughs> but I think it's a, it's a great way to go from Stack of Lee, which is a very tough song, to, uh, to going back. I mean, it's... This is him in 1993. Let's go back to 1963 and let's uh, let's hear him 30 years prior in one of his undeniably most beautiful songs. The second song on the record after Blowing in the Wind. Um, And this will be great. We'll get a nice Johnny Cash version. They do a nice duet on. uh, Well, this actually knocks out one song from Nashville Skyline. So, in fact, we're doing our first Nashville Skyline song as well. Snap. Two songs. Two songs. uh, One for the price of one. Not one bullet. That's Stackley. Ooh, or six bullets, or thirty bullets, or from a forty-five, or forty-four, or forty-one. We don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Join us next week for Girl from the North Country, a much shorter podcast than this one about Stackley. And if you are interested, seriously, Stackley, SCTW podcast. We'll see you next. Bye. Pistols are pointing at a poor man's pockets Smiling eyes ripping out of his sockets Got a devil's haircut in my mind